Section 4 of Library of the World's Best Literature, Ancient and Modern, Volume 6. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dom Bombadil. Library of the World's Best Literature, Ancient and Modern, Volume 6. By Various Authors, Section 4, Selected Poems of Clemens Brentano. Clemens Brentano, 1778-1842 The intellectual upheaval in Germany at the beginning of this century brought a host of remarkable characters upon the literary stage, and none more gifted, more whimsical, more winning than Clemens Brentano, the erratic son of a brilliant family. Born September 8, 1778, at Ehrenbreitenstein, Brentano spent his youth among the stimulating influences which accompanied the renaissance of German culture. His grandmother, Sophie de la Roche, had been the close friend of Wieland, and his mother the youthful companion of Goethe. Clemens, after a vain attempt to follow in the mercantile footsteps of his father, went to Jena, where he met the Schlegels, and here his brilliant but unsteady literary career began. In 1803 he married the talented Sophie Moreau, but three years later his happiness was terminated by her death. His next matrimonial venture was, however, a failure. An elopement in 1808 with the daughter of a Frankfurt banker was quickly followed by a divorce, and he thereafter led the uncontrolled life of an errant poet. Among his early writings, published under the pseudonym of Marie, were several satires and dramas and a novel entitled Godby, which he himself called A Romance Gone Mad. The meeting with Achim von Arnim, who subsequently married his sister Bettina, decided his fate. He embarked in literature once and for all in close association with von Arnim. Together they compiled a collection of several hundred folk songs of the 16th, 17th and 18th centuries under the name of Des Knaben Wunderhorn, The Boy's Wonderhorn, 1806-1808. That so musical a people as the Germans should be masters of lyric poetry is but natural. Every longing, every impression, every impulse gushes into song. And in this Knaben Wunderhorn we hear the tuneful voices of a naive race singing what they have seen or dreamt or felt during three hundred years. The work is dedicated to Goethe, who wrote an almost enthusiastic review of it for the literary Gazette of Jena. Every lover or master of musical art, he says, should have this volume upon his piano. The Wunderhorn was greeted by the German public with extraordinary cordiality. It was in fact an epoch-making work, the pioneer in the new field of German folk poetry. It carried out in a purely national spirit the efforts which Herder had made in behalf of the folk songs of all peoples. It revealed the spirits of the time. 1806 was the year of the Battle of Jena, and Germany, in her hour of deepest humiliation, gave ear to the encouraging voices from out her own past. The editors of the Wunderhorn, said their friend Görres, have deserved of their countrymen a civic crown, for having saved from destruction what yet remained to be saved. And on this civic crown the poet's laurels are still green. Brentano's contagious laughter may even now be heard re-echoing through the pages of his book on the philistine 1811 his dramatic power is evinced in the broadly conceived play die gründung prags the foundation of prague 1815 
but it is upon two stories told in the simple style of the folk tale that his widest popularity is founded die geschichte vom braven kasperl und der schönen annerl the story of good kasper and pretty annie and his fable of gockel hinkel and gackeleia both of the year eighteen thirty eight are still an indispensable part of the reading of every german boy and girl like his brilliant sister brentano is a fascinating figure in literature he was amiable and winning full of quips and cranks and with an inexhaustible fund of stories astonishing tales of adventure related with great circumstantiality of detail and of which he himself was the hero played an important part in his conversation teague once said he had never known a better improvisator than brentano no one who could lie more gracefully when brentano was forty years of age a total change came over his life the witty and fascinating man of the world was transformed into a pious and gloomy ascetic the visions of the stigmatized nun of dulmen katharina emmerich attracted him and he remained under her influence until her death in eighteen twenty four these visions he subsequently published as the life of the virgin mary the eccentricities of his later years bordered upon insanity he died in the catholic faith in the year eighteen forty two the nurse's watch from the boy's wonderhorn the moon it shines my darling whines the clock strikes twelve god cheer the sick both far and near god knoweth all mousy nibbles in the wall the clock strikes one like day dreams all thy pillow play the matin bell wakes the nun in convent cell the clock strikes two they go to choir in a row the wind it blows the cock it crows the clock strikes three the wagoner in his straw bed begins to stir the steed he paws the floor creaks the stable door the clock strikes four tis plain the coachman sifts his crane the swallows laugh the still air shakes the sun awakes the clock strikes five the traveller must be gone he puts his stockings on the hen is clacking the ducks are quacking the clock strikes six awake arise thou lazy hag come ope thy eyes quick to the baker's run the rolls are done the clock strikes seven this time the milk were in the oven put in some butter do and some fine sugar too the clock strikes eight now bring my baby's porridge straight english by charles t brooks the castle in austria from the boy's wonderhorn there lies a castle in austria right goodly to behold wall tipped with marble stones so fair with silver and with red gold therein lies captive a young boy for life and death he lies bound full forty fathoms under the earth midst vipers and snakes around his father came from rosenberg before the tower he went my son my dearest son how hard is thy imprisonment o father dearest father mine so hardly i am bound full forty fathoms under the earth midst vipers and snakes around his father went before the lord let loose my captive to me i have at home three casks of gold and these for the boy i'll gee 
three casks of gold they help you not that boy and he must die he wears round his neck a golden chain therein doth his ruin lie and if he thus wear a golden chain he hath not stolen nay a maiden good gave it to him for true love did she say they led the boy forth from the tower and a sacrament took he help thou rich christ from heaven high it's come to an end with me they led him to the scaffold place up the ladder he must go o headsman dearest headsman do but a short respite allow a short respite thou must not grant thou wouldst escape and fly reach me a silken handkerchief around his eyes to tie how oh, do not do not bind mine eyes i must look on the world so fine i see it to-day then never more with these weeping eyes of mine his father near the scaffold stood and his heart it almost rends o oh, my son o oh, thou my dearest son thy death i will avenge o oh, father dearest father mine my death thou shalt not avenge twould bring to my soul but heavy pains let me die in innocence it is not for this life of mine not for my body proud tis but for my dear mother's sake at home she weeps so loud not yet three days had passed away when an angel from heaven came down take ye the boy from the scaffold away else the city shall sink under crown and not six months had passed away ere his death was avenged amain and upwards of three hundred men for the boy's life were slain who is it that hath made this lay hath sung it and so on that in vienna in austria three hundred maidens fair have done end of section four Recording by Dom Bombadil.